Welcome to Speaking of Service, the podcast that uncovers practical ways to grow service revenue, control costs, and improve customer satisfaction. If you're looking to innovate, gain a competitive edge, or just learn about the latest service trends, you've come to the right place. Chris Wolf and Anthony Maffa take Speaking of Service on the road. Hear them discuss the importance of driving service value and running successful digital transformation projects. Some LiveWorks guests also share their opinions on digital transformation. This is a very special speaking of service. We had an opportunity quite literally to take our show on the road to the Boston Convention Center where PTC was hosting LiveWorks for the first time since COVID. More than 5,000 people attended at the packed Boston Convention Center in person, excuse me, and we had more than 3,000 people attending online. Uh, one of the folks who was there is my colleague and good friend, Anthony Maffa. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be here again. Great to have you again. Just for folks who haven't met you yet, describe your interest professionally in the services world. Well, well the services world kind of came to me um, through my job as an engineer. And I started to work with some of our service technicians in the field and realized there had to be a better way to do some of the service work that they were doing. And that really got me into connectivity and starting to monitor assets. And then that burgeoned into a whole world of IoT. So it really came from my life as an R&D engineer and support engineer. And since that time, it's just absolutely taken over everything I've done. It's been, been very infectious. And I think of you as Mr. Smart and Connected Products. And you've evangelized going from reactive to predictive and preventative. It, in which order? What's the best way to think about that? Well, I mean, we're all reactive, yeah. right? And so the, the quest becomes, how do I get to predictive as quickly as I can? Um, and there's no magical answer to that. The more information that you have, the more data that you're able to accumulate, the more likely you can build those trends towards being predictive. But of course, you know, we want to go through, we're going to go through that process. We're going to be reactive to preventative to predictive. And then eventually you even get to prescriptive, right? Predicting is when it's going to happen. Prescription is going to tell you, if you do this, you can avoid a failure as opposed to, I need to come out and fix it. So we had the opportunity to ask a question to every one of our guests. Depending on the level of maturity with your digital transformation in your services organization, what value are you currently receiving? And what value are you expecting to receive over the next 12 to 24 months? Our first guest is Patrick Lethanay. We met him at LiveWorks. He's with BiomareU. Uh, you may know them as producing world-class in vitro monitoring solutions. At any given time, they have tens of thousands of these machines in service around the world. Let's hear Patrick talk about their services journey. Our main focus, uh, you know, BiomareU is a medical device company uh, specialized in in vitro diagnostic and infection disease. So we have about uh, 60 to 80,000 systems you know, worldwide in our customer facilities. And clearly our uh, main focus today is really remote services, meaning that we are able to uh, connect to our customers for uh, serviceability, provide uh, remote access, software, firmware update of our systems, but also data collection to do preventive maintenance, as well as enabling uh, new use cases like uh, monitoring system consumption, uh, being able also to develop new business model like a paper test because we are doing, you know, diagnostic testing. So this is basically our focus is more on the uh, IoT space at this stage. But ultimately, it's going to, to combine also with some of the, uh, you know, Salesforce and ServiceMax capabilities. That was very interesting, Anthony. Uh, I would imagine being in the medical device market, if you can 
prove that you're available and secure to that type of a market, you can operate in almost any market. Yeah, it's absolutely the most difficult market yeah. that we operate in uh, because, for example, security applies to everybody, but HIPAA does not apply to everybody. Um, EUMDR does not apply to everybody. So all the regulatory concerns about my information as a patient are really important. And of course, we've seen hacks time and time again within our financial businesses. So they're very hesitant to get into this world of connectivity because in their mind, it opens up another opportunity for somebody to come in and steal information. Well, you think about the miracle of being able to get connectivity to the health and wellness of a baby in vitro and the, all the benefits that that brings compared with the ongoing security concerns. Um, am I correct in thinking that the Europeans are really leading the way with regulatory and privacy legislation? They've absolutely been leading the way in terms of that legislation. And in fact, uh, GDPR, you know, says very much so that you are in control of your destiny, not the people that you do business with. So I can ask you to forget everything you have about me right now, and you have to do that. Uh, we're not quite there in the United States right now because people in the U.S. and other parts of the world, they can get your information when you sign up on a website and they sell it to everybody. And this is why you're getting all sorts of information, like emails from people you never signed up for. That's where this is coming from. So the, definitely the EU is way ahead of us in that perspective. Well, I'd never want to forget everything I know about you, Anthony, as a friend. <laughs> uh, I was also interested to hear about uh, the new business model that Patrick mentioned, where they're getting paid per test as opposed to just making a device available, all you can eat. And that shows a little bit of the maturity of their service business. Uh, Patrick and Biomir, you have been doing this for a while. They've been connecting assets since the early 2000 timeframe. So they're evolving from how can I change my service response time to can I get into preventative and predictive service models and even further, can I go beyond selling you equipment, but sell you outcomes, right. right? Which is a completely different way to look at the world. And again, it shows their maturity in this business. Um, you don't typically see that with somebody coming in and just starting an IoT program today. How are organizations like this funding this kind of innovation? Is it a save to invest model? Are they finding adjacencies or other ways to underwrite this experimentation? This is a chicken and an egg problem because you typically say, I'm going to make a change to the organization that's going to save you X number of dollars. Um, and if you are a service organization that is a cost center, it's very hard to get funding to do that. You're not saying, hey, I'm taking my own funding to do this. I have to go to somebody else and say, I have a great idea on how to change service. If you are a profit and loss center, then, then you are in that environment of, I have control of my funding. So it depends on the organization that you're in. But yeah, I, I mean, you definitely, uh, at scale, save a significant amount of money. So they, they want to know, how quickly can I get my return on investment? And now your availability, your ability to proact be proactive is directly tied to revenue, as opposed to strictly to customer experience. What you're really starting to do is control the variability in your business. If things are unknown to me and I have to react to them, I am very underprepared to deliver that. So what I find in a service organization is spending a lot of overtime or having to overstaff myself in order to react to those, you know, that variation in business. But the better you are at preventative and predictive maintenance, then now you're starting to reduce the variability. And if I can respond to you, say, through a remote call or a remote service event, or even better, if I can teach you how to do customer self-service, 
I've gone that step of now even squashing that further. So that's really the goal here is to reduce variability in, in the service calls that I get. Anthony, our second speaker is from Bell & Howell. Uh, I was just at Best Buy this weekend. We picked up a new TV. It was too large to fit in one of those lockbox containers where you order ahead. But tell me a little bit about their business model. So in, in Bell & Howell's case, uh, they have a model and they started creating these robots. They're basically referred to mechatronics because it's a mechanical device but has electronics that control it. Um, you may ask for a device or you go to pick up your, your component. If it's outside of the facility, you can present your sales receipt to them, a QR code effectively that you, they mailed you, and then that robot will go get the device that you've ordered, bring it down and put it into a box for you to bring it out. But you also have the lock boxes that you might find at Home Depot or Lowe's along those lines. So it all depends on the, the methodology, but that is their, that is their uh, tool that they're putting out there today and monitoring with IoT. And I'll just remind you as listeners, we asked Tarun, depending on your level of maturity with your digital transformation in your services organization, what value are you currently receiving or expecting to receive over the next 12 to 24 months? Let's see what Arun had to say. Yeah, I mean, digital transformation is very important to us. It is strategically intentional for us. Being in the services company, food services company, we want to move from manufacturing into services and um, digital transformation, especially in the Internet of Things, remote services uh, gives us new revenue models, new business models to take our business forward and also improve the productivity of our uh, field service technicians. So here again, we're hearing about new business models based on taking what was a small pilot idea, driving that to scale. Tell us about how you see customers going through that life cycle of starting with a small project and bringing that all the way full circle to be a new business. Well, I, I think the interesting, there are two interesting comments that he made in here that, that are going to kind of leverage, that they leverage for this. And one is he said it's strategically intentional, mm. which is really important. The organization can't be looking at technology as a solution. It is a tool, and you have to be intentional about how you apply that tool. So that's very important to the process. That's a big one. The other one is he said they need to walk the talk, which it's a, you know, it's a great little catchphrase, but what he's saying is, I'm going to tell you what to do and I'm going to live that same, that same lifestyle. I'm going to, I'm going to follow that same rhetoric. Uh, and, and the important part about that is when you have a strategy that everyone is aligned on, when you have a technology that you realize people, process, and policy will be leveraging that technology to move you forward, and then you deploy it as such, that's where you become successful. That's where you can take something from an idea to a concept. What we typically see from a failure mode perspective is if you have an idea and you just assume it's a great idea and you hand it to somebody else to run with it, that kind of falls flat, yeah. right? Um, if you go back to Patrick Lethanay from, from BioMariU, Patrick's been involved in that program since it's on its inception, right? So you have a passionate advocate in the organization who wants to see this be successful. And that's another piece of this equation. Like, I need people really invested in the concept of doing this, not just, well, my milestone is to get this done by these, this date and time. That's where success comes from this. And if you see that uh, in organizations that have been successful today, it's all about the people because they're truly invested in making this work. Well, when it's all about the people, you know, it's going to be interesting. Many of us here at PTC are familiar with Harpac Alma 
If you come to our customer experience center, you'll see one of their shrink wrapping packaging machines up in our customer experience center. You know, for something as kind of pedestrian as shrink wrapping, whether it's syringes in the pharma market or steaks in, in the food market, uh, these guys have really invested heavily in technology and automating all kinds of cobots as well as robots and preventative maintenance. Talk to me a little bit about that client. That client is very interesting because they understand, even though they are a piece of the equation, they're, they're at the end of the line, quite literally. And if they fail, the entire line comes down. So they understand the value that they bring to their customer, right? They're, they're, they're not just a piece of the equation. They are delivering a product to their end user. Uh, and, and that's literally why they've adopted technology. They're saying, I don't want to be the one that causes you to have downtime, right? It's like, I, I, you know, I don't want to be in the spotlight effectively. I want to just be part of the process. And that's really their focus here is just to stay out of the spotlight, keep it running and keep their customers happy. Well, let's hear from Harpac directly. We have their innovation manager, Alexandra Ouellette, who spoke with us at LiveWorks. In terms of the value that we bring to our customers with IoT solutions, kind of multifaceted. So there's a lot of low-hanging fruit. So we are a large equipment manufacturer um, using like medical, food, consumer packaged goods. And for us, for example, if a machine is running at 91 versus 90% efficiency, it can be worth millions of dollars over the course of a year. Never mind, the equipment life is usually 10 to 15. So what we use IoT for is really to target opportunities for improvement. So for instance, if someone is loading a film into the machine and it's supposed to take five minutes, but they're taking 20, using IoT, we can identify those issues, who is causing them and better train and target them to realize that value. I love what Alexander has to say there. It, you know, I think of that old Spinal Tap movie, this one goes to 11. <laughs> you know, they've gone from managing, using IoT to make sure the availability of their machines was strong and they had no failures at the end of the line. But now he's talking about going from 90% throughput to greater than 90% throughput, opening up incremental cash from stuck operations. I, we haven't heard much about that use of IoT here. Well, yeah, it's... Um... It goes back to uh, Lord Kelvin. If you don't measure it, you can't improve it, right? Uh, and, and that's really what they're doing now is saying, um, it, there's this awakening that happens when you connect assets. You connect them for a reason, and that might be to do service. And then your engineers start to look at the data that's in there, and you realize, hey, wait a minute. There's actually a little bit of information here that we've never looked at before. You know, it shows us how they are using this equipment. It shows us that we have downtime that maybe we can improve upon. So now they're looking at that next level and they're saying, great, we're going to get beyond downtime as it relates to us on a maintenance perspective. We're going to get to uptime as it relates to you on how well you interact with our equipment. Maybe our instructions are bad, right? Or maybe, you, maybe your staff needs better training or training modules. But that's what it is. And that's kind of this process of it's the onion it completely you keep layering and layering and layering you find newer things to do in service so connecting is step one everything else is just, it's just a learning process i had a great opportunity to hear from harpak Oma directly about how a cobot they use to go down and spotlight on a particular piece of goods to, to pick up and then drop into the shrink wrapper would get out of alignment about every 100 turns and you can imagine this with your printer right at the printer cartridge gets out of alignment over a couple of spins. Being able to reduce that variability and reduce having to go out and 
realign that cartridge, they were able to enable tremendous throughput advantages that they would never have spotted had it not been for IoT. Harpak Alma spoke about being able to help their end customers improve actual throughput through the machines that Harpak Alma supplies them, going from that 90 percent of efficiency and throughput to greater than 90 percent. Uh, I advise you to check out, if you're interested in that topic of throughput, I had a conversation with folks from EY and Dell. Together with PTC, we've created a solution framework we call Manufacturing Throughput as a Service, or short form MTAS. If you go to ptc.com slash MTAS, M-T-A-A-S, you can listen to some of those conversations. In the meantime, let us know how you liked our conversations with clients at Speaking of Service on the Road. Send us a tweet or hashtag Speaking of Service. We'd love to get some feedback from you, and we hope we can do this again soon. Anthony, thanks for being with me here today. Thank you very much, Chris. And for those of you who follow Chris, her Girls Who Code and Bumblebee, a great supporting organization to help women getting into what is still primarily a male-dominated environment. So the inside secret here, gang, is I challenged Anthony if he could get the word bumblebee into our conversation, I would donate $10 to Girls Who Code for every instance of that. So I invite you to tweet to me or send me a LinkedIn and use the word hashtag bumblebee and I'll fund Girls Who Code. I thought I set you up with that cross-pollination conversation, <laughs> but we'll save that for another day. Gang, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Service podcast brought to you by PTC. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. And be sure to check out other episodes to hear new perspectives on improving life for aftermarket professionals, service teams, and the customers they support. If you have a topic of interest or want to provide feedback, email us at speakingofservice at ptc.com or visit us at ptc.com slash speakingofservice.